Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. Good afternoon. Well, it's afternoon for me. And today we're going to share Chapter 21, The Theory of Preston, from Mackey's Revised History of Freemasonry. The legend given by Preston in his illustrations of masonry details the origin and early progress of the institution. It is more valuable and more interesting than that of Anderson because it is more compact, and although founded also on the legend of the craft, it treats each detail with a show of historical accuracy that almost removes from the story the legendary character which, after all, really belongs to it. Accepting the legend of the craft as the basis of his story, Preston rejects, or at least leaves out, all the earlier part of it, and begins with the supposed bringing of Freemasonry into England. Commencing with a reference to the Druids, who, he says it has been suggested, derived their system of government from Pythagoras, he thinks that there is no doubt that the science of Freemasonry was not unknown to them. Yet, he does not say that there was an affinity between their rites and those of the Freemasons, which, as an open question, he leaves everyone to judge for himself. Freemasonry, according to this theory, was certainly first brought into England at the time of its conquest by Julius Caesar, who, with several of the Roman generals that succeeded him, were patrons and protectors of the craft. The Freemasons were engaged in the buildings of walls, forts, bridges, cities, temples, and other stately edifices, and their lodges or conventions were regularly held. Hindered for years by the wars which broke out between the Romans and the natives, Freemasonry was at length revived in the time of the Emperor Carousius. He, having shaken off the Roman yoke, sought to improve his country in the civil arts and brought into his country the best workmen and artificers from all parts. Among the first class of his favorites, he placed the Freemasons, for whose tenets he professed the highest esteem and appointed his steward, Albanus, the superintendent of their assemblies. He gave them a charter and ordered Albanus to preside over them in person as Grand Master. He assisted in the initiation of many persons into the mysteries of the order. In 680, some expert brethren arrived from France and formed a lodge under the direction of Bennett, abbot of Wirral. He was soon afterward appointed by Kenred, king of Mercia, inspector of the lodges and general superintendent of the Freemasons. Freemasonry was in a low state during the Heptarchy, but in 856 it revived under St. Swithin, who was employed by Ethelwolf, the Saxon king, to repair church buildings. It gradually improved until the reign of Alfred, its zealous protector who maintained a number of workmen in repairing the damage done by the Danes. In the reign of Edward, his successor, the Freemasons continued to hold their lodges under the sanction of Ethred, his sister's husband, and Ethelward, his brother. Athelstan succeeded his father in 924 and appointed his brother Edwin patron of masonry. The latter procured a charter from Athelstan for the Freemasons to meet annually in communication at York. There, the first Grand Lodge of England was formed in 926, at which Edwin presided as Grand Master. The legend of the craft, in reference to the collection of old writings, is here repeated. 
At Edwin's death, Athelstan undertook in person the direction of the lodges, and under his control the art of Freemasonry was taught and practiced in peace and without fear. On the death of Athelstan, the Freemasons dispersed and were in a very unsettled state until the reign of Edgar in 960, when they were again called together by St. Dunstan. But this help was not lasting. Fifty years after Edgar's death, Freemasonry remained in a low state. But revived in 1041 by the favor of Edward the Confessor, who appointed Leofric, Earl of Coventry, to superintend the craft. William the Conqueror became king in 1066, appointed Gundolf, Bishop of Rochester, and Roger de Montgomery, Earl of Shrewsbury, joint patrons of Freemasons. The labors of the fraternity were employed during the reign of William Rufus in the erection of various buildings. The lodges continued to assemble under Henry I and Stephen. In the reign of the latter, Gilbert de Clare, Marquis of Pembroke, presided over the lodges. In the reign of Henry II, the Grand Master of the Knights Templar employed the craft in 1135 in building their temple. Freemasonry had the favor of this order to 1199 when John came to the throne and Peter de Colchurch was appointed Grand Master. Peter de Rupibus succeeded him, and Freemasonry continued to flourish during this and the following reign. Preston's tradition, or his theory founded on legends, may be considered as ending here. The rest of his work assumes a purely historical form, although many of his statements need the support of other authorities. At present, before leaving Preston's theory, a few comments are required. As to the legend of Carousius, said by Preston to be the patron of the British craft in the latter part of the 3rd century, it was first made known to the fraternity by Dr. Anderson in the second edition of his Constitutions. He says that the tradition is in all the old constitutions and was firmly believed by the old English Freemasons. The fact is that it is in none of the old records. They speak only of a king who favored St. Alban and who made him the steward of his household and the master of works. Anderson named this king Carousius, forgetting that the saint was martyred the same year that the king came to the throne. Strangely enough, Anderson had made a special study of royal successions. Preston appears to have borrowed the legend from Anderson, increasing the details, adding those particulars in a style which the compilers of Masonic as well as monastic legends have always thought proper to use. The arrival of French Freemasons in England toward the end of the 7th century, brought thither by the abbot Bennett, or Benedict, which is recorded by Preston, is a historical fact. Paul Lacroix, in his book The Arts in the Middle Ages, says that England from the 7th century had called to it the best workmen among the French Freemasons. The Venerable Bede, who was living in that period, says that the famous abbot Benedictus Biscopius, the Bennett of Preston, went over to France in 675 to engage workmen to build his church, and he brought them over to England for that purpose. Richard of Chirinchester says that Bennett collected masons and all kinds of industrious artisans from Rome, Italy, France, and other countries where he could find them, and bringing them to England, employed them in his works. Preston is, however, in error as to the reign when this event occurred. Kenrid, or rather Conrad, was not king of Mercia until 704, and the abbot Benedict had died the year before. Our Masonic writers of the 18th century, like the earlier legendists, were very apt to get confused in their dates. In regard to the legend of the weeping Saint Swithin, credited by Preston with the revival of Masonry in the middle of the 9th century, it may be said that as to the saint being a celebrated architect, the claim is supported by the Anglo-Saxon writers. Roger of Wendover, followed by Matthew of Westminster, records his custom of personally superintending the workmen on any building 
that his presence might stimulate them to be diligent in their labors. It may be said of Preston that he improved upon Anderson in his method of treating the early progress of Freemasonry. However, his story has so many claims not yet proved to be facts that his theory must, like that of Anderson, be still considered as founded on legends rather than on accredited history. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.